0: the footsteps of Jesus from down under. Welcome to the program. This is Nick Curita, your host today. And uh, I'm so happy that you tune in with us because today I've got a guest which you'll really enjoy his um, talk today. And this is Ross Patterson, a gentleman visiting us from New Zealand. He's holding some uh, meetings here in Adelaide uh, talking about uh, Bible discoveries. Very passionate uh, man in researching significant uh Bible locations. He's doing this over a period of um, 17 years and uh, I heard about that he dived in the Red Sea over 120 times. Ross, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Very glad that you could make a bit of time from your busy schedule to come with us and share about your passion and about your uh, dedication, you know, to go and uh, find out uh, what really happened. You know, the Bible tells us uh, about lots of uh, uh, stories there, and sometimes people are uh, skeptical, (laughs) but uh, you have uh, lots of um, experience, and and, uh, Ross... uh, just before we begin with um, your amazing uh, journeys in the Middle East, yes. tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, sure. Well, I'm, I'll start with a negative,
1: they say don't start with a negative, but I'm not an archaeologist, I'm actually a computer programmer. Uh, I was brought up a Christian, believing in the Bible, but when I went to school, you encounter the, shall we say, the skepticism. The evolution theory and I had to make a choice at some stage you know what's true very different ideas is the Bible true and all the amazing stories in there or is evolution true and so I went through this process and decided if the Bible is true there's got to be some amazing evidence somewhere I mean the Bible has amazing stories you know the the Red Sea opening up and Pharaoh's whole army being drowned there so there should be some evidence left mm, behind mm. Mount Sinai, where God came down on the top and burnt the top of the mountain, where he spoke the Ten Commandments. Sodom and Gomorrah, where whole cities are burned up with fire and brimstone. Noah's flood, there should be an ark somewhere, a boat somewhere, remaining on a mountain. All these things, and you think, if the Bible's true, where is the evidence? And so this is what I've been researching for, well, since 1999, when I made my first trip over to the Middle East. Mm. Now, I'm not claiming to discover these things, but following up what other people have done. And I can tell you there's a lot more evidence for Bible truth than what most people even believe or have heard of. Because I will say this, the media generally, mainstream media, is not pro-Bible. It's very pro-evolution. And I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, but generally there's a lot of evidence that is ignored or not reported that actually is very, very powerful evidence confirming these things. So that's what I've been researching, and I get asked to share these things. I've been to Japan and Taiwan, uh, Philippines, all of those places a couple of times, Australia many times, and of course all around New Zealand. I get asked to share my research. So it's a blessing to be back in Adelaide again. This is the third time I've been here sharing these things. So thank you for the wonderful hospitality of South Australia
0: you are very welcome and uh, we are looking forward for next time when you'll uh, you when you'll be here you know uh, you mentioned about the skepticism you know and uh, it's amazing that in this time we live in with the with the technology you know and everything at our uh, hand and we still don't believe when we find things and for a period of many many years people believed in in those things and now it's proven through all those discoveries, you know, that these are not fairy tales. These are true stories. And, uh, of course, that will impact uh, Christian belief. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. I mean, a classic of that is Jericho, for example. The Bible has a story where Joshua and the Israelites marched around the city and blew their trumpets and shouted, and the walls came tumbling down. And then they went in and conquered the city and burnt it. And when that was first excavated, Uh, back in the 1800s. The German team found exactly that, evidence for that. But coming into about the 1950s, archaeologists, they dated the destruction of Jericho to a time period where they think the exodus never happened. So they say it can't be. The destruction they could see could not be the Israelites. And the whole dating issue is another big story where modern archaeology has dating uh, timelines, which many scholars are now saying we think this is not accurate. it might be a couple of hundred years out. and so archaeologists say there's no evidence for the invasion of Joshua and the Israelites, but they're looking in the wrong time. Mm-hmm. The evidence is there, but they date it to a different time, so they say there's no connection, but actually there is there's fantastic evidence and for example, in Jericho, the Bible talks about how the city walls fell down, then it was burnt. And that's exactly what was found. Also, the story of Rahab in Jericho. They found a section of wall of the city which was still intact, and there were houses on that section of the wall. And This is exactly what the Bible describes. And so if you take the Bible story and look at the evidence, it actually matches perfectly, even though many archaeologists say, oh, no, we've beyond that bit of research now, and it's the wrong date and all this not really, you look very carefully and you find exactly what you expect to find. But because of the skepticism of the, shall we say the academic mm-hmm. community, I don't want to down proper you know, scientists and all that, but there is a, a, a paradigm, do you know that word? There's a way of thinking in the academic world today which is very skeptical, and I think that's clouded their minds somewhat. So this is the research I've been involved in, showing that if you look in the right place, and take what you'd expect to find from the Bible. The evidence is there. It's just not reported and it, or
0: misconstrued generally in the mainstream media. The main idea is that uh, God uh, foretold all these things way before. Yes. And uh, there is amazing uh, amount of information in yes. the Bible in details, you know, to... Yes to give some hints for us if we are uh, keen to, to find out about those uh,
1: Exactly, those
0: that, that's the thing if you take the Bible account, the Bible gives lots
1: of very specific details it's not just general and vague it's very specific details and it's these details can be very very interesting to research and the confirmation of some of these details is quite stunning. For example it talks about the Exodus route coming down to the Red Sea. And it's quite specific that they'd left Egypt, they traveled for three days, they came to an area where the Pharaoh would say they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in or they were enclosed in mountains. And if you follow those kind of details in the Bible, there's only one place you come to that would fit all of those clues given in the Bible, and it's a place called Nubia in the <laughs> Gulf of Aqaba. And that's where we've been diving there for a number of years. First dive in 99 I did there. And we did some diving just three months ago as well. And so that's how I've got 120 dives over the years in that location. And we find, now bearing in mind it's been a long time since the Exodus. We're talking about three and a half thousand years. So you don't find a museum on the bottom of the sea. What you do find though is shapes in the coral where the remains of the chariots were encrusted in coral, the wood's all gone of course, the mm-hmm. wood's long gone, but some of these chariots, many of them had metal fittings like metal hubs and things and we've used underwater metal detectors and you can detect metal inside the coral and the shapes are the shapes of wheels and places, the exact dimensions of the chariots that were found in Tutankhamun's tomb which you see in the Cairo Museum today so, and I'll share this, it's not based on, finding a location is not based on seeing some shapes in the coral that match chariots. It's looking at the whole picture from the Bible. And also, after they crossed the sea, they came to Mount Sinai. And there's a perfect candidate in Saudi Arabia for this Mount Sinai. I was there just about four months ago, looking at this location, which, again, you take the Bible story, you look at the location, and the evidence is all there. Even the story of the golden calf altar, where... At Mount Sinai, they began worshipping an Egyptian-style bull. And Mm -hmm. carved on the rocks at this location are these Egyptian-style bulls. It's amazing. And this is in Saudi Arabia. So all the evidence is there. But, of course, this is not widely known yet because Saudi Arabia is a very difficult country to get into. They don't need tourists there. So we were blessed to be able to go into Saudi Arabia to see these things. So, yeah, absolutely, as you're saying, these locations are there but they're not that well-known yet, and the mainstream media seems to be, uh, on the whole, ignoring them or bypassing them.
0: And what do you, why do you think is this uh, ignorance in, in the media or in general public, you know, to put sure. it well, this way?
1: Um, it's, <laughs> I guess it comes down to the paradigm. You know, the word term paradigm mm. means the way people think. And there's a paradigm today which is very much favorable to evolution. Anything which would confirm something like the Bible is generally looked upon as sort of fringe or, you know, um, promoting Christianity. The angle we come from is we're not necessarily promoting Christianity. We're promoting the truth of God's word, the Mm -hmm, scriptures. mm -hmm. And where that leads to is is between you and God, so to speak,
0: you know <laughs> and obviously that will lead to you know follow into the footsteps of Jesus as yes. our program is uh, trying to you know to emphasize because if you have uh, y- you know I find out that even in the christian's mind, yes. sometimes there is a lot of doubt there because yeah. oh for example, I heard about somebody saying that. When they looked about uh, the 40 years of uh, traveling in the desert, you ah, know, yes, of, yes. of the Israelites, they yes. thought it's, it's the, in the peninsula Sina, and a very small place. And they thought, where can fit somewhere around about 2 million people in that uh, location? Yeah. But I um, learned recently that um, you find, I mean, being there, the, the proper location is much more, A larger area you know where people could uh, could go in you know all these things can clarify some things in our minds absolutely that's a very good point you bring up because
1: and this is where some of the skepticism has come from people say okay there was about two million people came out of egypt you know all the tribes plus the mixed multitude for 40 years they wandered in the sinai peninsula where's the evidence they'll say and that's a good question And archaeologists have said for years, look, there's no evidence of that many people living for that long in this small area. Again, this is based on a wrong assumption. That's based on a traditional Mount Sinai, which there's no evidence for that, whereas the real Mount Sinai is in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. As, by the way, the Bible had said in Galatians, it says Mount Sinai in Arabia. And so the 40 years of wandering was not around the Sinai Peninsula, as we call it today. It was around the Arabian Peninsula. And that's a huge area of land. And if you start researching place names down the coastline, you find places called the tribe of Asa, Jewish names down that area. Mm-hmm. And there's been graves found. There's graves near this Mount Sinai we've been researching, 30,000 Hebrew graves. There's tremendous evidence that this is where the 40 years of wandering was. And so, yes, as you point out, if you start with a wrong assumption and you don't find evidence to support that assumption, you say, oh, the story must not be true. But that is a wrong assumption to start with. I'll give you another illustration of something we researched a couple of years ago. The story after the Exodus is as they were coming into the promised land, there's a place, and it's mentioned in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 16. It says they will build sheepfolds for our cattle. And you read the numbers of cows and sheep they had. It was huge numbers. Now, if you go to the desert in Jordan, and we did this just recently, out in the middle of the desert, middle of nowhere, you find these huge structures like stone walls enclosing an area with long fences, like a V-shape where they would herd the cattle into these, these pens or enclosures. And these have been sitting out in the desert for who knows how long. When you visit them, the walls are all tumbled down. And we've spotted on Google Earth at least 13 of these. And that makes perfect sense. It's exactly what the Bible says. And it's in the right location for the Exodus coming out of the Arabian Peninsula after 40 years, heading towards the Promised Land. They built these cattle folds, sheepyards, so to speak. And they're still there today. The walls are all tumbled down. But you can find them out in the desert where there's no vegetation, no grass. What are these doing in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a desert? Mm. But here they are where the Israelites built these folds for their cattle. This
0: is the kind of evidence that we've been researching to show how true the Bible is. That's great, Ross. Look, um, probably it's just time now to have a short break, but please don't go anywhere. You are going to listen to Amazing Things by Ross Peterson. This is In the Footsteps of Jesus.
2: The stars and stripes of this great nation And the world looks on us as a Christian race Our forefathers fought and died to give us freedom But we failed to take a stand and lost our place So let us go back to battle one more time Let the light of Jesus in us rise and shine Give us peace the world around. Then on holy ground Let us go back to battle One more time Now the world's falling off Of its foundation With its standards being Lowered every day So let us find the old time Cats that walked here in them If we don't I'm sure that judgment's on its way So let us Go go back back to battle one more time Let the light Jesus in us, rise and shine. Give us peace the world around, let us stand on holy ground. Let us go back to battle one more time. Let us go back to battle one more time. Let the light of Jesus in us, rise and shine. Give us peace the world around, let us stand on holy ground. Ben, let us go back to one more time. One more time.
0: Welcome back. We are talking today with Ross Patterson, a very passionate man from New Zealand which have been traveling in Middle East for a number of years and uh, researching uh, significant uh, Bible uh, locations. Ross, um, before we go further, do you have a website or something uh, where people can uh, you know, look uh, into some of those things?
1: Yes, certainly. It's not a very comprehensive website, but it does have videos on there you can watch which has lectures of all these discoveries, different topics like Red Sea Crossing, Sodom and Gomorrah, Noah's Ark. The website is uh, dot www.discoverynews, www.discoverynews.net and there's some video clips on there and there's a contact page if you have any questions you can email me no problem.
0: And the same you can contact us uh through our numbers and email which we are given to you can uh, direct you to some of those uh, information if you like ross what are those um, sites where you you've been in middle east and can you list a uh, number of them and uh, yes
1: yeah certainly They're, these are some of the places we've been researching and we believe there's good evidence for these for example you know the story of joseph in egypt how he stored grain for the famine we believe there's a very, very good candidate for at least one of the places where he stored that grain at a place called Saqqara. There's large grain bins dug into the ground where they store grain in the ground. Mm -hmm. And they're all connected at the bottom by tubes and a stairway going down where they could collect the grain out of these silos. Of course, we've been looking at the Exodus route and the Red Sea crossing site and Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. And not just Mount Sinai, but also where the rock was split and water came out to produce water for these people. And there's an altar that's mentioned after they fought with the Amalekites. There's an altar there, even mm-hmm. today. It's mm-hmm. tumbled down. People have pulled it apart, maybe looking for treasure, but you can see the altar is still there. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, sites of those cities where fire and brimstone came down. We believe we found the locations where there are still ashen remains of these buildings in strange geometric shapes, square shapes, They're all composed of ash Mm -hmm. with sulphur balls embedded in these. Quite amazing. We've been researching Noah's Ark. There's a site which is recognised by the Turkish government. And we've been negotiating with getting permission to do a small excavation on this. It's been buried in a mudflow as if at some stage after the ark had landed, a mudflow covered it over. And you can see clearly the outline of this from aerial pictures we've taken aerial pictures with Mm. a drone and we've done radar scans we've done magnetometer surveys and it seems to indicate very strongly there's a man-made structure in the shape of a boat buried at ground level and so we're applying to do a excavation a small one in one area to show if this is a man-made object or not under the ground that's very significant another site we've been researching is the tomb of jesus there's a number of places in jerusalem where was Jesus buried and there's one that is a very good candidate the one that stands head and shoulders above all of them that fits all the Bible clues it's called the Garden Tomb just to the north of Jerusalem and we've also been researching evidence for where the Ark of the Covenant was hidden now the prophet Jeremiah according to the Apocrypha hid the Ark in a cave in Jerusalem now some say maybe it went to Mount Nebo some say maybe it went to Ethiopia or other places but there's good evidence that it's actually hidden in Jerusalem, and we think we know where that could be. It's a very interesting topic. Many other things we could talk about, for example, Mara and Elam mentioned the Exodus route where God provided water through 12 springs at a place called Mara. Uh, sorry, Elam. Mara was where the bitter water was, and we mm-hmm. think we know where those sites are too. So these are the sort of biblical sites we've been researching to present to the world. Hey, look, the Bible story is exactly correct. If you take the Bible as it reads, look for the locations, you find where they are. It's not difficult. And so that's been the,
0: the thrust of what we've been doing for these past 17 years. Mm, that's great. Ross time is um, uh, coming uh, very fast against us. Uh, we are uh, I was going to, to finish this program to close. But before we do that, what would you like to say to our listeners? Doing, putting all this... Um, a time you know in researching these things, what do you expect you know from from people, or what would you like to see happening in in, in people's life you know well
1: that's that's a good question. Um, because these sites, as significant as they are, are only sites on earth. we've got a better world to look forward to. I guess the message of these things is that the word of God. Which talks about these is trustworthy. It's really about the Bible, and of course, uh, something very significant is the Bible. What what Jesus said about the Bible, he says, he says, "You search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me." If we can trust the Bible historically, then we can trust it for what it says in the Gospels about the Son of God who came to give His life for us, and also we can trust it in prophecy jesus gave a wonderful prophecy in matthew 24 about the signs leading up to his second coming and the book of revelation is full of detail and prophetic symbols of what is going to happen on this world to do with the mark of the beast being enforced and so forth the seven last plagues if we can trust the bible historically we can trust it for what it says prophetically Mm. and that's where it becomes very significant for us today what is going to happen in the world and the bible does tell us this through prophetic symbols now, some people say, well, it's too hard to understand. How can you understand these complicated prophecies in Revelation? Well, the key is that you don't start in Revelation. That's like jumping in the deep end of the swimming pool. You start at the shallow end, and you go back to the book of Daniel, and it gives a very, very simple prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, which is very easy to understand. Mm-hmm this big man with made of four different metals gold silver brass and iron and the prophecy explains itself that these metals represented different kingdoms right down to Jesus second coming and so if you start there in chapter two it gives a, it's like basic Bible prophecy lesson 101 then you go to say chapter 7 it gives more detail and this is how you begin to understand prophecy so when you come to revelation you use the same principles you found in Daniel and it helps unlock revelation. And that's when amazing things are revealed. That's part of what we've been sharing in the seminar here Mm. um, down there in Prospect. And, of course, Cosman is going to carry on with these amazing Bible studies into Bible prophecy. So the Bible is accurate in two ways. Historically, what archaeology shows confirms the accuracy of the word. And the other thing is prophecy. No other book, whether it be the Bhagavad Gita or the Quran, has prophecy like the Bible does. And that shows it has a divine author. It was God who inspired the Bible because no one else, no human, we have trouble predicting the weather two days ahead. That's true. But the Bible gave prophecies thousands of years ago what would be happening in our day. And that's amazing. That shows it's an inspired book.
0: Wonderful. Yes. And uh, if we are um, with an open heart, you know, and uh, serious about finding uh, about uh, what God, Once from us, definitely God God will inspire us and will lead us into the right direction. Ross, thank you very much for um, uh, being able to come with us and share with our listeners uh, a bit of your amazing journey with Jesus. And um, I wish you God's blessings uh, as you go and share with many other people uh, about uh, all these wonderful things. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I, I would like to just uh, tell you that, um, as um, Ross mentioned, here in Adelaide, we are going to have some uh, prophecy seminars and uh, one of them is starting next, uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, in prospect, I think it's number 17 Belleville Street Prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in a in a hall there. But if you like to know about these things, please uh, contact us. Uh, our uh, phone number is zero four zero one three zero five zero double seven or you can write us an email at yonkrita at yahoo.com. Until next time, may God bless you and keep safe. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus.
2: Life is like a game and the nice guys finish last Pay no attention to rules, they were made for fools To get ahead you're gonna be real fast But the big letdown is bound to come When you can't find peace of mind Not the kind of peace that this old world gives They need peace of a different kind
0: God made the rules, and He wrote them all down, and He gave
2: them to all mankind. You can live your way, but sooner or later you pay, if you try living over the line.
0: There are a lot of good
2: books that'll make you anything, from a lawyer to a good cook. But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's book? That we face in this life That's not covered in this blessed rule book And telling how we should live And how to win in the end We just all to take the time to look Why you suffer the pain Mistakes will bring When you try to play the game you way Whenever there's a doubt Check the rule book You need to see what it has to say. God made the rules and He rolled them all down and He gave them to all mankind. You can live your way, but sooner or later you pay if you try living over the line. There are a lot of good books that will make you anything from a lawyer to a gourmet cook. But my friend, I wanna tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's book? But my friend, I wanna tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's book? Well, God made the rules, and He rolled them all down, and He gave them to all mankind. You can live your way, but sooner or later you fade. You try living over the line.
0: There are a lot
2: of good books that will make you anything, from a lawyer to a gourmet cook. But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's food? But my friend, I want to tell that when all else fails, why don't you try reading God's food?